Good morning. We have a wonderful day. Thank Hashem for the miracles and wonders, release of the two hostages. May this be a beginning. May all the hostages be released and returned home safely to their families. Um, we continue and Le'ilu Nishmas Rav Nachman Rav Moshe and Fushleim and Peru Basmiriam continue we left off ninth chapter in Baba Kama page 102a on the top first line on the top so yesterday we learned that the prohibition of Shaviyas only only applies to things where your, their consumption and their benefit that happens simultaneously obviously food while you're eating, you're consuming it and you're enjoying it, or dyes, while you're cooking the dye, that's when you're also, uh, the, you put in the wool to absorb the dye. So it happens simultaneously. But wood, however, since the benefit of the wood is happens after you consume it, first the fire, the wood is consumed in the fire, then it turns into coal, then you enjoy the heat from the coal. So therefore, there's no sanctity of shavias on wood. Even though, even oily wood, which is used as a torch, so seemingly you use it as a torch, its, it's uh, consumption and its benefit happen simultaneously. So he says, but most wood, most wood is intended to be burnt as, as kindles, firewood. So therefore, therefore, all wood has no sanctity of shvius. But uh, but branches of, of a vine of a vine. So there it depends what your intent is. If your intent is for kindle wood, then it doesn't have sanctity of shvius. And if not, it does have sanctity. Of Continue on the top of uh, This you establish a fact that most wood is meant to be burnt as as kindle wood. Tanoi, not everyone agrees. It's actually an argument of Tanoi. Tanya, we learned the Brai say Moisim Pedashriyas Loyla Mishra Loyla Kabuch. You're not allowed to use. You're not allowed to use the uh, fruits of the Shriyas. Not to soak. Not to soak uh, flax. And the wine, the fruit of Shriyas, bring to the wine. Wine of Shriyas, of the grapes of Shriyas. I can't use that wine to soak flax. So to wash, wash clothing. It's a good, a good act as a detergent. I could use it. I could put add to add to the mixture. I'm soaking the flax to soften it, whatever. I can add wine, and also I can add it as an ingredient to the to the to the detergent. What's the reasoning? My time at Rabban. What's the argument? What are they arguing? It says in the passage. La'achla, fruits were given to eat. I can't use it for any other purpose. I'm only allowed to use it to eat, to drink, even to anoint, but, but not, not to soak flax. Also, la'achla, not as a detergent. It's not a laundry, not for laundry. Use it for you, any purpose, any need that you have. You need it to soak, use it to soak. You need it as a laundry, use it as a laundry. 
Take the mother of Rabban Namiks. What are the rabbis going to do with Lechem? It says in the title Lechem to you. The AC is right. It means to you any usage, any need that you have. So the mother says. The rabbis will say lechem is similar to eating. Yes, you can use it for your needs, but it has to be similar to eating. Just like eating, the consumption and the benefit happen simultaneously while you're eating and you're enjoying, you're consuming it. So too, so this excludes a type of benefit like soaking and laundry. When you so when you when you're soaking, or when you put the, the garment into the into the into the washer, and you, you use wine, the wine is ruined. There's no enjoyment in. It's only days later after soaking it and soaking it, uh, then it gets rid of all the dirt and it gets rid of, it helps the flax separate the fiber from flax. So the benefit happens later, not simultaneously. So that's why it's excluded. So we see that this concept that wood, since wood is. Oh, one second. Let, let, let's finish the whole thing. Rabbi Yaisi, Nami, so what's Rabbi Yaisi going to do with Lachl? It says Lachl to eat, only to eat, not, not for any other benefit. I'm a Lachl, tell you, I'm a boiler of Tanya. I need Lachl to teach me something else. I learned the Baraisa, the Tanya, Lachl, the Lelim Lugma. I can't use it as a band aid for healing. You say you're excluding some things. How do you know it's excluding to use it as a medicine? Why not? Why don't you exclude to use it as laundry? So, but it says lechem. It comes to include everything, even washing, laundry. Okay, so I have one pasuk to add. One pasuk to exclude. Lachem means to add. Lachem comes to exclude. But how do I know what to exclude what? It's excluding one thing and adding one thing. So you decided that it's coming to exclude. Lachem means coming to exclude using as a band-aid or to a medicine. But it comes to include lachem that I can use it for laundry or for soaking. How do you know? Maybe the reverse. I agree with you. Let's say you're right. But how do I know this and not the other? What's your logic? So he answers, Because it's something, it's a need for everyone. Everyone has, needs laundry. Everyone needs to do laundry. Everyone has to soak their, their flax to get fiber to Everyone uses it in their garment flax. Medicine is not for everyone. Not everyone. Only for sick people. But thank God, not everybody in the world is sick. So what do we see? So this this a principle that Rav said that there's no sanctity on wood because wood is meant to kindle and therefore the consumption and the benefit is not simultaneous. It's not according to everyone. That would be the opinion of the opinion of the rabbis. But according to Rabbi Yaisi, he holds that even though the benefit... What do we see? What's the argument in the rabbis and Rabbi Yaisi? The rabbis say that since fruits are general, 
intended to eat. So even though you intended to use it not to eat for laundry, for soaking in the flax, doesn't change it. Since in general it's intended to eat. And when you eat it, it's... Um, when you eat it, the, the, the uh, consumption and the benefit happen simultaneously. So even though you intended you intended to use it as laundry, it's still forbidden. You're not allowed to use it. It's still forbidden. You're not allowed to. Rabbi say you're not allowed So the same would be here, the reverse. And if you use oily wood, even though you're using it as a torch, and in this particular case, the consumption and the benefit happen simultaneously, but since wood in general is meant for kindle, and in kindling, the benefit and the prohibition and the and the uh, and the benefit and the consumption don't happen simultaneously. Do not happen simultaneously. If words allowed, I'm allowed to use it even 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 as a even the oily wood. I'm allowed. To. So that so that would follow the opinion of the rabbis. But Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yosi argues. Rabbi Yosi says it doesn't matter that fruit, wine is always used for consumption to eat drink. If you intended to use it as as soaking or laundry, then it's okay. Abiyasi says it's okay. So it doesn't matter. We don't follow the whatever the general usage is. Whatever you whatever you intended to be. So therefore, the reverse would also be oily wood. Even though wood in general is used as kindle, and there will be allowed. There's no sanctity of shvi'as because the consumption and the benefit don't happen simultaneously. But it doesn't matter. If you intended to use it as, as a torch, oily wood, then it would be prohibited to use it in Shreed. We have all the sanctity of Shreed. To get rid of it. So it seems what you're saying is not according to everyone. Every AC would argue with this. It's appropriate for him to choose an ownership of living and involved. It's a fact that Biasi disagrees with this. With this, uh, this all. He would say that Shema Mishra would indeed be prohibited. Okay. But have the sanctity of Shabbos. Who follows his opinion that we learned the Bereis? is allowed to use the fruits of Shabbos to eat, but not for medicine. He can't use it to sprinkle, to sprinkle wine to give a good aroma, a good scent. to eat, and not to use it as uh, you want to you want to throw up. You need to throw up. You can't throw up. You feel sick, so you, you, you take this uh, drink. What do you throw? Up? What? what? A nemet. A nemet. An emetic. A medic. A medic. You can't use it as a medic. Am I? Can I be Follows opinion. Can I be Says who holds that the Torah only prohibited things which is not necessary for everyone. It's only for a sick person. Someone needs to throw up, like medicine. Or even Ziluf. Who, who needs to make your house smell delicious? Fine people. You know, these people used to call you the fine schmeckers. <laughs> yeah, the Park Avenue crowd, but not, yeah, not for everyone. It's not for everyone. According to the rabbi, he could have added another thing. According to the rabbis, you're not allowed to use it even to soak. You're not allowed to use it even to, 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 to the laundry. 
Okay. We learned now Mishnah that if you hired someone, you gave him, you gave him wool to dye. You told him to dye it, the dyer to dye red. Instead, he dyed it black or vice versa. That made him that he acquires, he acquires by the change, he acquires it. The dyer acquires it, it becomes his. So he only has to pay back the owner the value of the original wool that he gave him. Raw wool. Buddha says no. He does not acquire that change. It belongs to the owner of the wool. He hired him, he gave him the wool, he gave him the raw material. But how much do you pay for it? So it depends. If the if the uh, appreciation is more than the uh, the, the uh, expenses, you don't give them expenses. Expenses are more than the appreciation. You just give them the appreciation. Okay. The okay, gives an amanic sabon. These are the names of the Medoyim that he's going to mention. Yosef, Abba, and Abuna. So he uses the middle letter of each name. Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, Achere, the Rabbo, Rabbi Yosef was sitting behind Rabbi Abba, coming to Rabbi front, and both of them were sitting in front of Rabbi Huna. Yosef, Rabbi Huna, would come, Rabbi Huna sat and he was saying, teaching them, Allah, Rabbi Shua ben Karch. The law follows Rabbi Shua ben Karch, who argues on the rabbis, we'll see in a minute, Allah, and the law follows Rabbi Huda, argues on the main and our mission. And then Rabbi Yisuf Yisuf turned his face around. He was upset. He wasn't happy with what Rabbi Huna taught. He said, You need to tell me the law follows Rabbi Shuban Karcha. I would think, Because usually we follow the majority opinions. He's coming to teach us. Even though Rabbi Shuban Karcha is arguing with the rabbis, we follow the sole opinion. The Gemara explains what, what what are you referring to? Which argument are you referring to? Rabshu Ben Karuch, my my. Tanya, we learn the Brayis. This is an attractive Avedazad. We learn that if a guy, if a non-Jew owes a Jew money, the Jew cannot collect his debt three days before their idol, before their holiday, worshiping their idol. Because since the, the guy will be so excited that he paid up his debt, he closed the books on his debt, he's going to go run and praise, sing the praises of his idol. So we're causing him to worship an idol and to praise his idol. So the rabbis didn't make a distinction what type of loan it is, whether it's an oral loan, whether it's a documented loan. Shoban argues with the rabbis. He says, it depends. If it's a documented loan, then... Don't collect the loan three days within their holiday. But But if it's an oral loan, then you can collect it. You could collect it even three days before. Why? I'm saving it because he can deny it. There's no documentation. There's no proof. If I demand my loan, he's willing to pay me. I better run for the hill. Take the money and run. I'm saving. I'm saving the day. And... The guy is not going to run to his idol to thank. Because he thinks to himself, who says I have to pay? I can deny the whole thing. The Jew doesn't have any any uh, documents. Now that the Jew is like saving money, he's, 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 he's just 
So Rabbi Shur makes it. Rabbi Shur makes a distinction. The rabbis don't make any distinction. At the end of the day, the guy admitted to pay, and he's going to be happy that he got rid of this loan. He's going to go thank his idol. So in this case, he's coming to teach us. Abhuna's coming to teach us. The law follows Rabbi Shur ben Karach, even though he's a sole opinion. You need to teach me that Allah follows Rabbi Huda when there's an argument in our mission in Rabbi Huda and Ameyah whether the dyer acquires the, uh, by the change it becomes his and he only has to pay back for the raw wool and you're telling me the law follows Rabbi Huda that the dyer does not acquire it and therefore the, the, uh, the appreciated wool belongs to the owner of the wool you don't have to teach it to me because it's a machleik is vakastami. It's a machleik is vakastami. We have a rule that whenever there's a, the Mishnah quotes an argument, and then the Mishnah quotes one opinion without attributing it to to the author, it means the Mishnah has decided. Rabbi has decided that this has become the unanimous opinion. This has become the accepted halachic opinion. Machleik is That's an hour attracted in this Mishnah. That's the argument I'm made in Rabbi Huda. He hired him, he gave him wool and he hired him to dye it red instead, the dye dyed it black or vice versa. That he just has to pay for the raw wool and he gets to keep the appreciated wool, the dye he gets to keep. The dye does not own anything. And he has to give the, the improved the bat to the to the owner of the wool, and the owner of the wool has to pay him depending whatever expenses he laid out, as long as it doesn't exceed the appreciated value. Okay, so that's the argument. Stam. Where do we find stam? The stam we find We find attractive bab like Rabbi Huda. Nah, and we learned over there in bab We're going to learn Whoever changes, if, for example, the owner gave you wool to dye, to dye it red, instead you changed it and you dyed it black, so he's, he's on the losing end. That he can only get whatever, he only gets paid either what the expense that he laid out, doesn't get the appreciated value, or if it, if it appreciated less than the expense, he only pays him for the appreciated value, not, not a penny more. So we see that who owns it, like Rabbi Huda, that who gets to keep it, the owner of the wool. And then the mission says, The worker suddenly quits in the middle of the day, then also he has, he has the weaker hand. In other words, now he has to hire a new worker, it's going to cost him more. So he can take off, he can deduct it from the salary that he gives the worker for his half a day of work. On the other hand, if the price of workers for the rest of the day goes down, so... He doesn't just deduct, okay, he says, pay me everything, except what you have to pay for a new worker to finish the job. No, 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 no. I'm getting to keep that, 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 uh, that profit I get to keep. I'm gonna, you're going to lose half of what I made up with you, the more expensive salary. And I'm going to save the money, now I don't have to spend the other half to, to finish the job. I can spend less. That's, that's on me. Okay.
So we see it's machlekes. So Rabbi Yisro was upset. What's Rabbi Huda coming to teach me? We have a, 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 the Mishnah quotes an argument. Now a Mishnah above a Kama and then above Metziah. Above Metziah, the, the, already it's been decided like Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda, it's uh, the Gemara answer. Rabbi Huda has to teach me this. I, mean, I would think, ain't say the Mishnah. Who says the Mishnahs are in order? Maybe Bab Metziah was taught before Baba Kama. Later on, when they edited the Mishnayas, he put it in this order. But when they were taught in the yeshiva, maybe they were taught in a different order. So if that's the case, it's on the contrary. It's Stam, Achach, Legacy. First, Rebbe taught it to Stam, like a Behuda. Then the author of the Mishnah changed his mind. He says, no, he quoted it. Not everyone agrees. I've made argues. That's what he has to teach me. No. But this is the order it was taught, and it is indeed Machlekes Bachar Kastam, and therefore the law follows Rabbi Yudha. Rabbi Yisif, Rabbi Yisif will argue, the reason why Rabbi Yisif was upset, because if that's the case, Kom Machlekes Bachar Kastam, they may say to the Mishnah, if you're going to say that, then, then this whole principle, that whenever you have a Mishnah that brings an argument, and then the Mishnah is Stam, we follow the Stam Mishnah, that whole, that whole principle is thrown out the window, because I have no way of knowing if indeed the order that we have it is the order in which it was taught. But Abu Hunda will tell you, no, Kilem didn't say the Mishnah. When do we say there's no say the Mishnah? In one tractate, I don't know the order of the Mishnahs are exactly taught in the same order that we have it today, the way it's organized today. Today, Mishnahs, I mean, two different Mishnahs, we do say. And now we can understand the difference in Abu Yesim and Abu Hunda. will tell you. In one track, they surely was taught in order. Of course it was taught in order. And that's the way it's organized, and that's the way it was taught. There's a, there's a logic, there's a sequence. It's going from step to step, step by step. In two different tractates, there, there, there's no order. Who says which order was taught? So we find arguments today, even today, what's the proper order of the tractate? So now we understand the argument of Yesir Rabbuna. Yesir will tell you, all, all three Nazikin, Baba Kamba, Baba Basra, Baba Matsiva Basra, are really one tractate. That's one of the explanations why you have Shisha Sidri Mishnah. Really, there's only there's 64. Because the three, one of the ways is to come to 60, because Baba Kama, Matsiya, Baba Basra are all one track. It's called the gate one, gate two, gate three. The longest track they've been shot. So, therefore, everything here was toward in order. So, we have Baba Kama was a Machloikas, and Baba Matsiya is. Matsiya is a Stam. Therefore, it's clear that the law follows Rabbi Yudha. And, and Rabbi Huna argues, Rabbi Huna says, no, Baba Kama is one tractate, Baba Matsiya is a separate tractate. And two separate tractates, it's possible that the Mishnah, Baba Matsiya was learned in Shul, was learned in the Yeshiva before Baba Kama. So therefore, maybe it's a stomach, that's what he has to come to teach me, the law follows Rabbi Huda. I, I don't know it based on this principle of Machloikas Vaharkastam. You boys tell me one, I'll tell you. <laughs> why Rabbi Yisuf was upset because even if you're going to say that it's not a machloikas bachar kasta let's say it's two separate tractors like Rabbi Huna holds but we'll come there's one tractor we'll see it's a separate tractor I don't know which one was taught first 
So it's not Machlekes Vacharka Stam. Nevertheless, it should be clear that the, the Allah follows the Mishnah and Baba Metziah. Why? Because he says these two halachas together, consecutively. And the other halachas is, is 100%. There's no one who argues. That if a worker changes in the middle of the day, walks off the job and quits and leaves, leaves, leaves him hanging, so he has the losing hand. He says, No one argues on the on so therefore, since he's teaching me, so since he's, what he comes to teach me is that just like Allah no one argues, it's Allah there's not a single opinion that holds differently. So too, when he says, that if the worker changes, if the dyer changes, he gives him wool and he asks him to dye it black, instead he dyes it red, or vice versa. He changes it, that this is the halacha. This is, even though not everyone agrees, a male disagrees, the law follows of Yehuda. And the rabbis learn, someone gives money to his agent to continue on side B, under him to be, he says, go buy me wheat. The luckman say to him, instead, he goes and buys, he told him, go, we're going to do business, here, I'm giving you money, go buy wheat. Instead, he goes and buys barley. Or, so he didn't He sent him to buy barley, instead, he buys wheat. Tanya had one brace who says, in Pochsu. If decreased in value, he gave him $100, and he comes back, instead of buying wheat, he buys him barley. But the meanwhile, the price of barley became cheaper. So now he has barley that's worth $90. So what's he going to do? He's going to sell it. It's only worth $90. I, I send you to buy me $100 worth of product. And I ask you to buy wheat. So the loss is on the shliach. The shliach has to make him whole. He has to give him $100 worth. He may see you, and if it do, well, what if it were appreciated in value, became more expensive. They're worth more than he paid. He paid $100, and now it's worth $110. He see the light. That, that appreciation belongs to the agent. That's one price. Another price that we learn. If it decreases in value, and the, and the, 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 uh, the principal who, sent, who gave him the money, and asked him to buy wheat instead, the, the agent bought uh, barley. He sent him $100, now he came back with $90 worth of merchandise because it depreciated in value. So the shliach has to make him good, has to lay out another $10 or give him more. He may see it, but if it depreciated in value, see the lambs. They split, they split the profit. So it's a contradiction. One b'raise says all the profit goes to the agent. The price is not. So Rabbi Yechon, Rabbi Yechon, explain Likasha. It's not a contradiction. Or a mayor, Rabbi Yehuda. Or a mayor, the price, the first price that says that everything belongs to the Shlia. So Rabbi Yechon says, since you changed it, you acquire it. It now belongs to you. So therefore, anything that happens, appreciation, depreciation goes, goes belongs. Now it's owned by the agent. He just has to make him good for the value that he gave him. He gave him $100. He has to make sure he gets back $100. 
in the second Braith says Rabbi Huda, he says, no, change does not acquire it. It belongs to the to the principal. But but so even though he changed what he asked him to do, he's not a thief. He still is agent. And therefore, whatever he acquired, he acquired for the owner. So if it appreciated in value, if it appreciated in value, then they split it. If it depreciated in value, then he can tell them, listen, I, I, I send you to fix me. I didn't send you. You don't represent me if, you, if you're harming me. And therefore, he has to make them whole. So Matzah Rabbi Lozer, Rabbi Lozer asks, Rabbi Yechanan, Mimai, it's not a comparison. What are you comparing? You're not comparing apples to apples here. Dil, my Chalakam, Rabbi Meir, when Rabbi Meir say that, El Abimid, the Chazal, the Gufi. Something that he needs for himself. He gave him wool. He asked him to dye it because he needs it for himself. And he's particular. He only wants. He wants the red. Instead, he made. He dyed a black. So therefore, if you tra- dyed a different color, you changed it. You changed. It's not what I asked you to do. So therefore, a mayor says that he acquires it. The, the, the dyer acquires. As a result of the change, it becomes his. Avalischeda business. He asked for weed. He wanted, I want to do business with weed. Instead, he, he bought. He bought something else. He bought barley. Maybe that mayor would say such a change is not considered. It's not considered like he changed anything. He said, "I'm doing business." Okay, I think I think we could do a good business with wheat. And the deal was that they're going to split whatever they're going to split. If there's a loss, they're going to split the loss. They're partners. I'm giving you the money. You go ahead and purchase and sell and do the business. And we're going to split 50-50. If there's a loss, we're going to split the loss. If there's a profit, we're going to split the profit. So yes, I changed. But what's the big deal? It's just, I'm just, I suggested, let's buy wheat. It's not wheat, let's buy something else. We're doing business. I can do business in anything. I can sell toilet paper and do business. Whatever makes money. So maybe in this case, I may well agree with Rabbi Yehuda that... Um, then he agrees, and therefore, since it, it, it worked out well, he invested. He invested the money in barley, and it went up in price. So therefore, they should split the profit. Even a man will agree. So therefore, Allah Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar says, "How about a man? Both prices are follow opinion of a man. Like cash, it's not a, even a man will agree." But they're arguing like it's not a contradiction. The first bride is talking about he asked to purchase wheat because he wants to eat. He needs the wheat for himself. Not to do business. So I, I'm very I'm very upset. I need I asked wheat. I don't need barley. Barley is animal food. I'm asking for wheat, for bread, for my bread, for my kitchen. What, what are you buying me barley? So you change it, therefore you you own it. You own it. And if it's a loss, it's your loss, and if it's a profit, it's your profit. The second price is for business. Business, what do I care? I'm just suggesting. I think we could do a good business with wheat. We end up doing a business with barley. Fine. They laughed. And as you saw, they laughed at the answer of Rabbi Echnan. They wondered, Rabbi Echnan, I'll leave with Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Echnan's explanation, according to Rabbi Yehuda, 
that if he made profit, they have to split the profit. That that even though he changed from what the owner gave him the money asked him to do, the, the agent changed. Nevertheless, he's not a thief, and therefore the owner of the money it still belongs to him. Let's say a case where he asked him to buy barley instead he bought wheat. So, but the owner, the owner of the wheat, who sold him the wheat, who sold the agent the wheat, he doesn't know. He he's not thinking about the. He's not thinking about the principle of the money. He's I'm selling to you to the agent, who's not representing the owner no longer because the owner asked him to buy barley. Instead, he's buying wheat, so I'm selling it to you. So, so, so his purchase of the wheat, in order to purchase something, you have to have the seller and the buyer. The seller, I'm selling it to you. I'm not selling it to the, to the principal who gave you the money. So it's entirely yours. So therefore, you should, the agent should keep all the profit. Shouldn't have to split the profit. What are you saying? Then, then even if he, even if fulfills what the his mission, the principal gave him money and said buy wheat, and he buys wheat. You can ask the same question. The owner of the wheat who's selling it, he doesn't know the principal. He never met the principal. I'm selling it to you, to the agent. So you're going to tell me that since he only has a mind, the agent. Therefore, if the wheat appreciates. He gets all the profit, the agent gets all the profit, and the principal gets nothing. Since he's a shliach, it doesn't matter that the seller never met the principal. He's selling it to the shliach, but the shliach is just a shliach. He doesn't represent himself. He's an agent. He just represents the principal. But in a case where he changed the owner told him to buy, he gave him the money and said, buy me barley. Instead, the agent goes ahead and buys wheat. He's no longer shliach, not representing the principal. So now it's just between the seller and the shliach. So therefore, it's acquired entirely by the agent, and therefore all the appreciation should be his. Teda, says, I'll bring you a proof. That when he's fulfilling his mission, he doesn't represent himself. And automatically the owner acquires it, even though the seller doesn't know the owner, he never met the owner. But it's not, we learn the mission. Contracted Someone sanctifies all of his possession to the temple treasure. A person who says, my value is on me. The Tater said, Tater gives a fixed value for every person, male, female, depending on their age. Anyone above 30, 30 days and up, to the age of 5, and then to the age of 20, 5 to 20, and then, uh, and, then, and then from 20 to 60, and then from 60 and on. Male, female, different fixed values. So the person says, I'm going to pay the temple, I'm going to pay my, my erech, whatever, whatever my value is, whatever his age is, depending on his age and his, and his gender. And then the, the collector for the temple treasury comes. And if you don't pay up, he can take a collateral. But he can't take away the clothing of his wife and not the clothing of his sons, because now it belongs to them. It doesn't belong, he gave it to his son, he gave it to, he gave it to his wife. The tailor says you have to collect 
from the from the debtor from his possession, not from his wife's possession or something. And even if he died, he already took wool and he died it for them, for them and mine. So by this, he already he already acquired it for them. He made a change and he acquired it. If he bought new sandals for them, for his wife and children, even if they knew they never used it yet, but he bought it for them in mind. So what do we see from here? So the question is, why do the wife and the children acquire the sandals and the garments they never wore? Why don't you say, you can say that the dyer, he never met the wife, he's dealing with the husband, so he's giving it to the husband. So therefore it should belong to the husband, and therefore the, the treasury, the temple treasurer should be able to collect it from him. He's acting as an agent for his wife. I'm buying it for my wife. I'm buying it for my children. So it's as if they purchased it already, even though the, the seller, the dyer, never met them. Doesn't matter. Since he's an agent, so by giving it to him, he's really giving it to the wife, so she already acquired it. So Chinamiel's here too. If he gives him $100, says, buy me wheat, and he buys wheat, he purchases wheat, even though the seller never met the principal, doesn't matter. He is here as a representative, as an agent who represents the principal. Therefore, it's as if he's giving it to the principal. But in a case where he changed, he changes men. I told the, 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 the principal, gave him money and says, buy me barley. Instead, he bought wheat. Then it's between the seller and the, and the agent. The principal is out of the picture because he's not representing him. He didn't do what he asked him to do. Rabbi says, Lord, you can't bring any proof from that mission. That the agent is literally like the principal. And even though the, the seller never met the principal, doesn't know he even exists, as far as he knows, I'm selling it to you. It's between me and you. It doesn't matter. He's acquiring it, he's giving it away to the principal. It's no proof. I can explain the mission in a different way. You can say because anyone. The reason is that when he intent, when he initially, when he sanctified and desec- consecrated all of his possessions to the temple treasury, he's, he's, not, he's thinking he's not. He's only including his possessions, not anything that have to do with his wife and his children. So therefore, even though he didn't, he really indeed didn't acquire it. Maybe you're right. Maybe the wife and children didn't acquire it yet. He still owns it because the principal, the, the seller, the dyer, he's only dealing with the husband. He never met the wife, he never met the children. As far as I know, I'm giving it to you, to the husband, and it belongs to the husband. Nevertheless, the temple treasury, the treasurer cannot collect it because he never intended for, it, for that to become consecrated because he had a mind. It's not anything that's going to my wife and children. I'm not consecrating. Even though I said all my possessions. All my possessions with the exceptions. Anything that I'm planning to give to my wife and children, even though I still own it. I didn't give it to them yet. It's brand new. Okay. You can't say, that's not, that's not a good explanation. He died to Eshelodom al-Tfilov. You're going to say a person had a mind to give to the temple treasury is tefillin. And nevertheless, not we learned in Eirich, in Amakdish, Nechosov, someone who consecrates all of his possessions, mightily tefillin. He has to give his tefillin. 
In other words, he has to evaluate the, the value of the tefillin in the marketplace, and he has to give the equivalent of the tefillin to the temple treasury, so he can keep his. So he has to keep his tefillin. He has to do the mitzvah tefillin every day, but he has to he has to redeem it. So even though he, you can say he's never had a mind to give his tefillin to actors, he needs his tefillin. Doesn't matter when you say, "I'm consecrating all my possessions." It includes all of his possessions. So therefore, if you're going to say that the, the, the sandals and the wool, the dyed wool, is still his, even though he's intending to give it to his wife, it doesn't matter what his intent is. He would have to, the temple treasurer would be able to collect it. The fact that he can't collect it is only because you must say that he's acting as an agent to the principal, and therefore the, the, the principal acquires it. But in this case, it's the wife, the children. It's not his, and the temple treasurer can't collect it. In your right. No, you're wrong. In, yes, Titus His mind, his intention was to, to, set, to sanctify his tefillin, to give it to the temple treasure. Because he thinks, since I'm giving all my possessions to the temple treasure, so I'm doing a mitzvah. I'm doing a mitzvah. So there's a mitzvah to put on tefillin every day, but he thinks maybe there's a bigger mitzvah to give it to the hectic. So that's his mind. So therefore, he has to redeem it. But a person definitely does not have a mind to consecrate the garments of his wife and his children. He doesn't want them to hate him. He wants his wife to love him. He wants his children to love him. He's going to give everything away, even their garments, their clothing. So therefore, really, maybe the wife never acquires it. But here, he clearly does not have a mind to give away to the Hegdus. In this Mishnah and that Mishnah, we're learning about Erech. The Mishnah talks about also Erech. He says the Erech is on me, and the Temple Treasury comes to take a mask and to make him pay. So you don't take from anything that was designated for his wife and children. But it's not what we learn in the Mishnah and Tractate Erech. Have Erech and Mashkin, person who makes says takes upon himself. I'm going to pay the value of so-and-so or himself to the, the tre- temple treasurer can go into his house and by force take a collateral to make sure that he pays up his debt, his commitment. Would a person have a mind that we should walk a walk, storm into his house and by force take possession to, to, make, to make good for his pledge, for his commitment? Surely he never agreed. Nevertheless, we do so. So obviously, it doesn't matter what his intent is. Once a person says that I'm making a commitment to pay, the value of this it has nothing to do. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with if he wants, he doesn't want. So what difference does it make? What difference does it make that um, the wife, he didn't have a mind to sanctify the garments of his wife and children. It wouldn't matter. We don't ask him. We take it by force. 
if it's his, we should take it by force. So the fact that we don't take it by force, that's proof. That is a proof. That's proof that the the um, that's proof what Rabbi said that the principle Rabbi is correct that this mission is a proof that the agent represents the principle and therefore it's as if he gave it to the wife if she already acquired Hello Rabbi rather Rabbi says Rather, Rabba revises this question on Rabbu. Hello, Rabba. Kalamak, there's no chos of Nasek, and she nicking links with Ishti, but of me, Kardra. Whoever consecrates all of his possessions says, if first he already acquires, without their knowledge, he just gives it to him as a gift, he acquires the clothing, the garments for his wife and children before he sanctifies all of his possessions. So, it's, so he already gave it to them. Therefore, Hector does not apply to them. They're not consecrated. Not because he's an agent, he represents them, and it's as if... It's as if uh, they... Therefore, the dyer already gave it to him. He already is just giving it to him as an agent, and he represents the principle. No, no proof. Thunder Abon and the rabbis learn Keach Sod Beshem Whoever buys a field in the name of his friend, you don't force him to sell it. But if he says on, the con- on condition that it's for my friend, we force him to sell. What does that mean? My karma, what's he saying? We don't understand what he's saying. It's very cryptic. This is what he means. Person buys a property for himself. But he tells the seller that he's buying it on behalf of the head of the Jewish people. So no one should try to uh, take it away from him. So he writes, the seller writes in the, in the document that I'm selling, it's between me and the head of the Jewish people, the president of the community, not the seller, not the buyer, even though the buyer is buying it for himself. In He can't force the Rejgalusa to sell it back, to, the, to sell it to the buyer. He says, listen, I didn't ask you, but you wrote a document that it's between me and him. I accept, and I'm going to buy it, I'm not, even though that wasn't what you had in mind. But if the buyer says to the seller, on the condition, on the condition that the, the head of the, uh, the president of the Jewish community will sell it back to me. So what do we see from here? So then you force the head of the president of the community to sell it back to the, to the buyer. Because he only bought it in the condition that that's, we're going to tell the public that we're selling it to the Rej Galusa. So no one's going to bother him. And now the Rej Galusa is forced to sell it there. 
I'm a ma, the master. So what do we see from here? The master said, "Okay, so he gave him the limka." If you, on your own, you go ahead and you purchase for his sake, you don't force the president of the community to sell it back to the buyer. Mikal, the makna kanyele, that means that the rishon also acquires it, even though. The Gemara understood that actually who acquires the property is the buyer, not the president of the community. Even though the seller thinks he's selling it to the president of the community, he's the buyer is presenting himself. He's an agent representing the president of the community, and he writes and the, the seller writes in the document, "I'm selling it to the president of the community." But but of course it belongs to the buyer. It's his money. He's buying it. But then he wants a document. He, so he says, "Could could we force?" Question is, could we force the head of the president, the head of the community, to write a document as if as if he's selling it to the buyer? You can't force it. But if he says on the condition, on the condition that <clears throat> that the head of the community will write me a document, then he must. So what do we see from here? This, they argue with the, with the rabbis in Israel and the from the West. The Amri, they say, they said, they question. They, their question was, who? They laughed at Rabbi Yechner's explanation. According to Rabbi Hudu, says if you change, it belongs. It belongs. You acquire it, and therefore, so even though he said purchase for me barley, instead he went and he bought the wheat, and the wheat changed, and he bought wheat, and the wheat officiated. So they have to split it. He's not a thief, and they have to split it. So they laughed. In the West, in Israel, they laughed. He said, why? <laughs> Since the seller, he doesn't know of the principal, he just knows the buyer, the agent. And the agent is no longer representing the principal because he changed what he asked him to do. So why in the world should he split the profit? But what do we see from here? In this case, that even though the seller, even though the seller thinks he's selling to the agent as an agent of the president of the community, instead it turns out he's just selling it to him, and we say that he acquires it. So same question. Who told him that he's selling it to the buyer? As far as he knows, he can't buy something unless someone is selling it to you. As far as the seller is concerned, I'm not selling it to you. You're just an agent representing the So how do you say that he acquires it? This is not a question. He let the, the, the witnesses and he let the seller know that his intent is to buy it for himself. He just wants to write in the document that he's selling it to the president, giving this, everyone should leave him alone, no one's going to want to start up with it. So it's clear, he let them know. It's not like he's, it's, if he doesn't let them know, then you're right, then he wouldn't acquire it. El rather they must say, we can ask the rabbis in the West, from the end of it. It says, if he, tell, if he told the seller, on the condition that the head of the president, the head of the community, will write him that he sold him this property, we force him to sell. Why do we force him to sell? 
I don't need your honor. And I don't need your that you're 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 But you you're forcing me to write a document as if I'm selling my fields. Who sells fields? Who sells property? Someone is in dire straits. So why in the world could you force me just because just like you can't force me to write that you, you, gave me this honor you, you wrote it in my name as if I'm buying it because everyone's afraid of me and everyone honors me I don't need your respect and I, I don't need your humiliation you're forcing me to write a document meaning is as follows to be continued. We'll just go into the next page. We'll, we'll continue this tomorrow.